Let's drink beer. It makes my mind clear. It takes me away from here. Let's drink beer. Let's drink beer. Everybody, welcome to the Art of Beer. And today we have a special guest. We have Dave Lokar from Heineken USA, and we're gonna talk about the phenomena in Hawaii known as green bottles. So it might be a little different if you guys are from other parts of the country or um, other, you know, other places in the world. You're like, what? What is green bottles? But if you're from Hawaii and you've you've been here, you know when someone says green bottle, you know what it means. So we're here. Dave's gonna talk us through everything, how that came to be, and we're super stoked. So what are we drinking today? I don't know, do you want to go leaded or unleaded? <laughs> my, my preference is always leaded. Leaded, yeah, so Until we run out. That's the, the and, then we, and then we can consider going unleaded. So the classic green bottle. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, yep. Okay, so this is the classic Heineken, right? Um, the original recipe. The original, the original recipe. How... How did you get started with Heineken? Oh, that's a long story. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go back a couple years, just two or three. But uh, in uh, 1996, um, the brand, the Heineken brand was actually at, uh, sorry, early in the year, uh, was uh, May of 96. Um, the brand was actually at uh, Doty, which was um, Anheuser-Busch House. Uh, and it, it was, uh, I think it was already Anheuser-Busch of Hawaii, but I think it was Doty owned and controlled at the time. Um, and um, Augie Bush III came into town and was going around to stores. And as he was going to these stores, he was noticing, for some reason, there were larger Heineken displays um, in these stores and key end caps than Budweiser and Bud Light, which is all he really cared about. He, was he wanted 100% focus all the time, right. every, every second of yeah, every day. Right, like, that was his money, right? Yeah. His name, yeah. yeah. And he just went um, ballistic um, and started berating people. So, so after a day of work in the field, he comes back to the distributor with, uh, I assume uh, Mr. Doty was with him and probably some of the higher ups at that particular branch. And um, they also had Heineken people in town that week. So normally when distributors have people in town, they line all the trucks up, right? For the particular brand that's in town to show them that, hey, this is our share of mine. So he comes around the corner into that parking lot and you see <laughs> 10 Heineken trucks right up in front and that was it, he just went, bananas and just said I'm buying this distributor that's it I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna buy it out you have no choice at this point uh, it's in the contract da, 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 just going off right and he probably didn't know at the time but he's got a, a wagon train of, of attorneys to make sure it comes to fruition right and, and at the time more money more money than anybody else right in the US probably uh, and he just said that's it we're buying it about a month later, I, I think they came to terms with the cost, um, and I think the Dodies were actually, came out well off, they just weren't put out of business. Um, and uh, as soon as he became, got full control, first thing he did is kick out all the outside brands. So it was Heineken, gone right away. I think um, Sam Adams, I believe at the time, gone. And these were brands that were right. not just relatively good volume, but they were brands on the, there were growth brands at that time, huge yeah, growth. Yeah. So he basically took maybe, I don't know, I, I'm guessing at this, but 35 to 40% of his, his profit and said, go find a new home. And not, oh, we're gonna take money for it or anything else, just say, get out. Come grab your stuff, get your out. And so it was kind of shocking, right? These big brands that were 
coveted and everybody wanted him all over the nation, but because he had flipped his lid so bad, he just said basically, take it free, I don't care, go wherever you want to go. And just kind of gave off these weapons to his distributors. Crazy. To his, what was his <laughs> That's enemy? Like, right? Straight up arrogance move, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can, you know what, I don't need any other brands yeah. to make my, my house bigger. This is gonna be an AB house, we're only gonna carry AB brands, maybe a couple of obscure small brands, I think snuck in, but after that it was pretty much um, just AB brands, which was the beginning of the end, because he went from some 65 share down to like a 30, 35 or 33, I think now. Um, and, but that was the first kink in the, in the armor, right? Um, and so Heineken wasn't sure where they wanted to go. So uh, I think uh, there's a couple players. I think IBC was still in the game. It may not have been. I, I'm trying to get the, the it was a long time ago. Um, but uh, at that point in time, Heineken did come over to Paradise Beverages. And Mike Shibuya approached me in, I remember it was June of 96, right after they, they had acquired their, or after they'd been kicked out in May from Anheuser-Busch. Uh, and he asked me if I wanted to be the brand manager for Heineken. And uh, of course, I did, you know, I said, hold on, Mike, I gotta go talk about it real quick. I gotta go think about it. I went outside, did the jig, came running back inside. <laughs> <and> said, How <laughs> much money are you talking about, Mike? And, and the rest is history. So I started with We've the We've got some end caps. <laughs> yeah. So I started with the in 96. You went outside. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to give it away. We hadn't, we hadn't talked about money yet, so I didn't want to just do some little dance on the table right. and then say, he could offer me like, oh, how about 30 grand? I'd be like, oh, come on. So, um, Started in 96, uh, I worked at Paradise until uh, September of 02. Um, and then I, I left for a bunch of different reasons, but um, about two years after, um, I came right back to Heineken. There was a, a non-compete clause for two years, so as soon as the day was, uh, they, that was up, I got a call from Heineken saying, hey, you wanna come join us and, and be a local uh, rep for us? And again, I did a little, walked outside, did a little <laughs> dance, and then came running back and said, I'd love to. And they, then they gave me this stipulation. I had left Paradise and Mike Shibuya, who is um, probably the person who's taught me most in business and almost like a second father to me, taught me so much that when I left, he was really hurt. So I had to get the okay from him. Heineken said, hey, you gotta get the blessing from Mike if you wanna come back. Even if you're working for us, you're still gonna have to be working with him. We need to know that that's, you guys are at peace. I was like, we're at peace, but I'll go up there, I'll talk to him, and he'll give you guys a call. Right and so I did that, and I started with uh, Heineken in, I think, uh, 2003, March 31st of 2003. Cool. Well, we're going to hold that thought. We're going to come back, learn more about the history of green bottles and Heineken in Hawaii. So go grab your cold one and join us back after the break. Bringing you what matters. Viewers can receive the Star Advertiser digital full access subscription for just $9.95 per month. Go to StarAdvertiser.com and click on subscribe. Use the code A-H-I-THING. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Beer. We got Dave Lokar from Heineken USA telling us more stories about the history and the, the lore of green bottles in Hawaii. Okay, so when we, we took break, you were kind of early 2000s, and that was, how, how was green bottles a thing then, or was that kind of the, the starting point of when that culture started to build in the islands? Okay, uh, well, I wish it was then, but actually the culture had started uh, when those brands did come over from AB in 2000, oh, sorry, 1996. Um, we all sat down, there's maybe five or six people, and, it was, and I don't want to say it's one person in particular, but um, there was Mike Shibuya, uh, Craig Nakatsukasa, some Heineken personnel at the time, were Jay Williams, John McLaughlin, also Kevin Costa on the marketing side. And we all sat down, and myself, we all sat down and said, hey, you know what, what is the path for victory? Where do we see, because at the time Steinlager was pretty huge. Where do we see us supplanting Steinlager as the number one import, but also how do we grow and how do we match and get to, because we're considered mainstream now, right? Even though we're an import, but 
when we look at our competition, we look at Bud, we look at Coors, we look at Miller, we look at Corona now. Right, right. Um, how do we get to that point? How do we make that leap? And we decided that it was A, to pick something that really worked for the local culture, um, and whether it be music or sports, but just a, some identifiers. And we said, whatever we do, we have to stay committed for three to five years. And no matter how the first year or two goes, even if we're not getting traction, we need to stay, stay at it and continue to focus on that and continue to put money into it in terms of price promotions, as well as make sure we're doing the right thing and get aligned with local sports, get with local teams if possible, pro, pro teams. Um, and then eventually the, the hope was to get close to UH, but that was just, that was, that was a pipe dream that back then? That was a then. pipe dream at the time because <laughs> our budget was so small yeah. and AB was all over UH at the time for some bazillion dollars a year, which we were never in the, in the running. So back then, what was, so was, was Steinlager your, kind of, your, your competition? Yeah, I think Steinlager was our, was our next step. We wanted yeah. to try to mimic what they were doing. Were they bigger than you at that point? Yeah, uh, in terms of volume, yeah. yes. I think in ter- if you look at um, margin or uh, profit, I don't think I don't I think we're about even because their pricing was uh, smaller and they did so much in kegs and it was a different size keg um, and their pricing on kegs were so far, far smaller than what they're pricing on bottles were. But if you looked at profit, we were pretty close. I think we were in second, but we were close. Yeah. We we're in the, in the ballpark. Uh, but in terms of volume, they were destroying us. Well, they, they, were, had, they were like sponsoring all like the paddling clubs, paddling, and, surf, you know, or, surf yeah. and stuff like that. A lot of outer island things. Steinlarder banners everywhere at the beach yeah. when they had regattas and things like that. So I, I, I knew I was an uphill battle because I went to Waimea in 97 and I, I was playing softball in a, in a tournament. I played a lot of softball in those days. Um, and we're driving to like in the back roads to go to people's houses and, and it's really cold in Waimea. So it was like 59, 62 degrees. And you could just see the size of these houses just with 12 packs of Steinlager just lying the whole side. I'm like, Woo, we got a battle here to get that business. And, and it was, it took us a, a while to penetrate the Waimea business, the Kona business. And there was a couple of other um, unique areas where they had really invested a lot of time and effort. So, but Steinlager was definitely, I would say, number one in those days. Um, and that was, our, that was our goal. That was our first step is to attack them and then to start looking at mainstream beer. So Coors Light was pretty big and Bud Light was pretty big. So Coors Light was the next step and then Bud Light. And then at the time, looking around, that made sense to us. So we picked sports, we, we picked um, hula dance, uh, maybe Hawaii, anything that was yeah, like, Hawaiian I think at the like, time. Uh, was that the Hot Hawaiian Nights? Hot Hawaiian yeah. Nights was yeah, one yeah, of those so programs. So attached to music as well, people going to concerts right. and music and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, if we could so, get a twofer, it was, it was yeah. Hawaiian and music was yeah. a win-win, right? So that, that's where we really put a lot of, uh, a lot of our Budget went into those types of things. So hot Hawaiian nights. And by the time the, the king started getting into my ties, it was full blast. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it was. It just was. It was almost out of control. It was, at that point, it was get out of the way. Did you guys? Doing. Did you guys ever anticipate, or even have that mindset of like, oh, like was Green Bottle ever like a marketing term, or that just kind of happened organically within the the culture here, where people started talking about Green Bottles? I, I think we heard it. Growing up, we heard it from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it. it we, I don't think we understood, for I didn't, I should say, understand the concept. I was only 17 or 19 years old, but when I was about 22 to 25, that's when it really became, Green Bottle was more masculine, yeah. was more local. Although we have no breweries here, it was considered local for some <laughs> yeah, reason, right? Yeah, it was, um, yeah. yeah, it was like in your veins type mm-hmm. thing, right? And I, think, and, and I think it grew from there, but it was just murmurs of it when we were, I, I, I don't know how old you guys are, but I was maybe 17, 19. I heard it, but I didn't recognize it or didn't understand beer enough. But the 20 Real quick, we gotta take a break. Yep. Let's come back and talk about more green bottles in Hawaii with Dave Lokar from Heineken USA. Get your house in order. Visit HiFiCU.com and download the Ho'okele guidebook today. We're back on the Art of Beer with Dave Lokar from Heineken USA. Let's get into it. 
So you were just talking about sort of that growth factor where um, you guys had started getting into music, um, kind of early 2000, 2005, 2006. Uh, 97, 98. Yeah. Um, so we, got, we started doing the music, the Hawaiian, the local culture. And uh, the first year we were down, I think, we we're down like 1%. But it was, we were coming off a minus six year. So we, we felt, you know, when we're down, we're seeing progress. The next year we're up 2%. So it was like, hey, you know what? We're not killing it, but we're doing better. Then the next year was 5%. And then, so 99, 98 was like 8%. Then it was 12%. And it just kept growing. <laughs> it and just keep going, until right? 02, and 02 went up to maybe like 22, 23%. We're like, well, where does this stop? You know, and we were doing price increases along the way because it, you know, everything got more expensive every year. So, but it never inhibited our growth. We continued to grow at a, at a torrid pace based on that. And then Heineken Light came in. And we thought, hey, you know what? Heineken Light's gonna help us a little, but God, where do we go from here? Is it going to be able to, are we going to keep that 20% growth? And it became a halo effect. Yeah, I feel like Heineken Light can help us. Yeah. It can definitely help work. It helped me think about, <laughs> it helped me remember what happened. So, so was, was Heineken Light, um, for reference for the market, like was there other like light beers that you guys are going towards or? Um, so um, <laughs> Amstel Light, yeah. so Amstel Light was actually the original Heineken Light, um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Heineken yeah, um, bought. He always wanted, uh, let me take a sip first. Mm -hmm. Mr. Heineken, um, where the brewery was, the original brewery. So if you've, if been, to, if you've been to uh, uh, Amsterdam, you've gone to the brewery. That's the original brewery. They had the horses down, the hay drops and everything, and you're still visiting it now. But his favorite bar was right down the road from there, and he would go in there, but the way it works in Amsterdam is all these locations are brewery owned. So yeah. if they, they own the lease and they rent it to you, but you better sell their beer. Yeah. Yeah. So that, his favorite bar was owned by the Amstel Brewery. So he couldn't, get a, he couldn't get a Heineken in his favorite bar, and it pissed him off. It was a great hotel, it was right in the corner of one of the main streets in, in Amsterdam. So he just said, you know what, that's it. Went, went said, that's it, this is the last day I'm ever, I'm ever coming to this place without having a Heineken ever again. Went into the office next morning, next morning, decided he's just gonna buy the Amstel Brewery. He's not gonna buy that location, he's gonna buy the <laughs> bottle brewery. Bought the whole brewery. Um, and then he, he and, and then over over steps and Amstel Light came alive just for the US market. And Amstel Light was our legitimate light for three decades, uh, something there. And then, then I guess time and marketing finally got to the point. So he never wanted a line extension. He, one of the things is he asked his daughter not to do, or he, as long as he was alive, there's not gonna be any line extension. So, I think it was a, a few years after he passed away, his daughter decided to do Heineken Light. And it's had limited success uh, across the nation. Um, and it's only in the US market, but um, it's had huge success here because it hit us at the right time with this Heineken green bottle growth we were talking about, brought light into the market. And a lot of people won't drink the Heineken because they felt it was too hoppy or too strong, but they had another option that was less hoppy um, and much lighter beer, which is exactly what the Hawaii market, Hawaii market is, heavy domestic, heavy light, right? right? So it hit us at the perfect time, and we, we, were, we weren't just seeing increases on this every year. I mean, the first year, I think we did out like 180,000, and we started seeing 20, 30% growth on, on Heineken Light, as well as keeping the growth on Heineken. So and you're saying 180,000 cases? Yeah, just yeah. Heineken Light alone, yeah, right? Yeah. Heineken was almost at a million at that time. And we continued to grow for a while. It was, I mean, at that point, we were like, just get out of the way. Just make sure that we can get the product in. Let's not screw anything up. Let's not change any marketing efforts. Let's not change anything what we're doing. Just you don't want to get in the way of that that stone as it's rolling downhill, right? It is a testament to Hawaii and just like you've put the time and the money behind music and paddling and things that people care about. Understanding the culture. As they're coming up. And then and then it just it's part of that. 
Yeah. You know that cycle that. that. Yeah, I, I think I think all popular brands globally, nationally, whatever, have like Nike, for example, they find something that works and they just stay at it. Um, and obviously I'm not comparing us to Nike by no means, but you find what's working and you just continue to do that. You add parts that, that work, but you don't make wholesale changes. You, you tweak it up, you tweak this in here. Um, I, I mean, recently we did UH because we've been after it for a long time, but we just constantly are working on how do we get better? How do we do things better? And, and that goes for the beer side as well as the marketing side too, right? You also hit it on with the association of good vibes. I mean. You go to a, a, a sports event and you're having a great time and you're drinking a Heineken. You go to this concert, concert, Hawaiian music, and you're having the best night and you're drinking a Heineken. Like you just package them together. Because yeah. so then well, when, when you go home and you're cruising with the, with the boys yeah. or everything in the garage, what are you grabbing? Exactly. And then it was always like, so like, if someone came with a Heineken 12 pack, they were like, oh, he, he went out. He went out of his way to get something yeah. special. Because I remember like at that time it was like, oh, whoever bought the Heineken was like, yeah. Well, I mean, that I was a man. as a young man drinking, you know, like what I could afford <laughs> and what I wanted were right. two different things. Monday so, through Thursday exactly. beers, yeah, exactly. but on Friday, Friday, Saturday beer. Friday, Saturday beer. Yeah. Everybody got excited. Yeah. Well, I don't know, that's, that's what it was. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but we also did that global, uh, that national launch of uh, the Weasel, all the other guys, yeah. the, the man, the guy bringing the Heineken was the yeah. man at the yeah. bar. And so you had that thing where nobody was bringing Heineken, I mean, nobody was bringing any domestics to the, the family party or the block party. They were bringing Heineken. We're going to want to hear more about that and about bringing it to the family parties because that's all near and dear to us. We're going to take a quick break, grab another beer. We'll be right back. Homeworld, locally owned and quality brands. Let us help you create your perfect home. Beachside Roofing, the leaders. All right, hopefully you got a cold one. We're back with the Art of Beer with Dave Lokar from Heineken USA, and we're talking about the green bottle phenomenon in Hawaii. So I think we left off. We were talking about... Heineken Light, it's huge growth, where it's gone. Um, where are we now in today? Like, it, like, are green bottles still the thing in Hawaii? Like, how is that, where's the progression gone? Well, I mean, I think a lot more beer companies started putting it in green bottles, so it just, due to default, it's growing. But I, if you look at the original green bottles, I mean, there's a small amount of them. I mean, some people consider Steinlager or Heineken green bottles. Some people consider the whole import European thing, green bottle, so, but it's still growing. Like we have uh, a few right there, yeah, right? Like that have, are, you know. Yeah. For decoration. Yeah, good imitations right there, but, um, but it's still. Only the Heineken's are open. It's still growing. Um, the brands are still strong, they're still growing, and I, I'm speaking for these two, but I know um, the other green bottles are doing good. I think, in general, imports have grown uh, nationally for the last 22 years. I think locally, they've gone up for the last 11 years, and including all the imports. Uh, and the Mexican, Mexican specifically are, um, and we have a few uh, green bottles in the Mexican category with Dos Equis too. Dos Equis, so, yeah. so I mean, it, it depends where you where you call that. Is it legit green bottles or is it what Hawaii considers, what the locals consider green bottles? So every everybody is going to have a different idea. But in any any way, any way you frame it, I think the growth has has continued to be there, and I I think it's. I think it's overtaking the domestics at this point, the whole import green bottle type thing. Um, it'd be interesting to actually uh, go sub-segment on that and see how much how much has really grown because I know the domestics haven't, in general, have declined the last 10 years. Yeah. And at some point in time, you wonder why you walk into a store, you see uh, a grocery end cap of domestics, which, they, which they're not making much money on because it's, it's discounted. Right. Um, and then you see the imports, like eight imports squashed into an end cap when it's probably three times the profit of the domestics. When do the domestics go away and you don't see them, you just see them in the chill, right? Uh, I think that those days are coming because you have seltzers, 
you have uh, local brews, you have craft brews, and you have imports, and they all would, profitability-wise, would be better than selling domestics. But for some reason, the industry and I think um, supermarkets are so stubborn to give up that go-to. I think it's the draw, right? The draw of domestics the draw, yeah. and the basket rings. Lots maybe. of eaters, almost, right? Yeah. But the basket, the basket rings of uh, Heineken is by far still number one in the, in the state. I think uh, last time I looked at it, it's like eighty-two dollars and nine cents. If, if somebody buys a twelve-pack of Heineken, they're usually spending eighty-two dollars and nine cents a, a visit. Wow. Which is phenomenal, right? Because you're buying, well, you're Bucky, buying your pokey, you're, everything you're else, buying yeah. a couple of ribeyes, yeah. you're buying Heineken. <laughs> well, talking about snacks that go with beer, we need to get into some snacks too. So we're going to get back to our 7-Eleven uh, exclusive snacks. Because, uh, James, where's the fish? <laughs> so, when you, you mentioned something super interesting. So, the patriarch of Heineken, at one point when he was alive, said like, no, we only do Heineken. We don't do any, like you said, brand extensions. And, yeah. and that basically means like, Heineken light or other like types of Heineken, right? It's always just one beer. They only made one beer for, for since 1864, right. right? Yeah. So they've progressed because now it's like, you know, you got Heineken zero. Yeah. Um, and how, I mean, there's, there's NAs and, and how far is Heineken from the brand at least, you know, they own other companies, but how far has it ventured across and are, you know, how has that changed in, in the market? Yeah, I think, uh, so I think you either, I mean, the, 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 the global statement is you evolve or die, right, in a lot of cases. And I think the beer industry is much the same. And as, as stubborn as you want to be and, and stay focused and stay traditional, which we have been probably more than any other brewery, but we've also looked at the opportunity cost or loss of opportunity if you stay so stringent with your blinders on and you just go that path. So then Heineken Lake came out and then um, a few years after that, we uh, we were aligned with the uh, uh, Mexican brewery. So we took uh, the Dos Equis and Tecate lines, uh, Newcastle a few years after that, uh, most recently Lagunitas. We have a brewing, I don't know what percent it is and who owns what or who's the actual owners, but we're now Lagunitas is involved. So I think you if you really want to survive the way everything has consolidated distributor wise as well as uh, supplier wise things have consolidated so much so you have a few breweries controlling the world and you have to continue to grow or you're going to get left out in the cold um, so i think it's happened all over and i think it's because of the global setting um, but it stayed the same way locally too right you're fighting for shelf space you're trying to put things on the shelf that are going to sell on uh, some brands some breweries actually just put stuff on the, on the shelf that's just going to take space which is the ones that you don't want to try right uh, so yeah, I think there's, there's a fine line, right? Careful, you want to do limited line extensions that make sense, but not just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Stay true to the brand. I mean, because I mean, again, yeah. this is a brand that's over 100 years old, right? Yeah. Stay, stay, stay true to who you are, the ingredients, the local, right. the, the ingredients, and there's only three in here. I mean, four, but then you, you uh, yeast comes back out after. Right. But you're going to stay true to who you are. I mean, if you have something that's great, I mean, look, honestly, Heineken, was just a really good microbrew at one time. It was too successful to continue to be a microbrew. If you look at it, all the successful beers were yeah. that, right? Carl's they all started all of them, right? They were all small yeah. at one point. Yeah. They all started off yeah. small. Yeah, that's, those, those are the best microbrews that stood through time, space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. You know, we're going to continue on the YouTube channel, so please go check us out there. Follow us on Instagram. Cheers, and Cheers. come back and join us on YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the extended uh, edition. We're welcoming the guys from the cable. We've got Dave Lokar from Heineken USA. We're talking green bottles, the quintessential Hawaii beer uh, episode. I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to it. So. Yep, awesome. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, what's crazy is, I, I don't know, is, is green bottle a term that's used anywhere else? So if I walk into a bar in Chicago, I don't know, I'm just picking a city, and I go, can I get a green bottle? Like if you walk into a bar in Hawaii, 
for most bartenders who are aware of the culture, you say, oh, can I get a green bottle? They're gonna ask you light or regular. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere else in the, in the world, does that exist? I, I've worked with a lot of counterparts in our company, um, globally as well as nationally, and when I say green bottle, it's like I'm speaking a different language. So I would I would be so I would be uh, shocked if it was a big thing anywhere else. I'm not saying that it w wouldn't exist in a pocket, maybe in the Caribbean or well, not wide, not a widespread like it is across yeah, all I've the never, islands. Yeah, here. I mean we've used it in our presentations before when we're talking about our business in the green bottle, um, the green bottle uh, growth or whatever. And nobody's ever just I mean everybody's always alarmed or shocked. Oh, what do you what's the green bottle? And they have to explain the the history all over again. Um, and if you want to see that, you got to go back and watch it again, the, the TV show that we just did, because it explains all of that. We're yeah. not fucking going back. <laughs> <laughs> we're here, we're staying here. But yeah, it's a, I've never seen it anywhere else. I've never heard of it. Heard of it. it is interesting, too, because in the rest of the, at least talking about the market, the number one import in the rest of the country, every other state in the U.S. is Corona. Yeah, because they they you know they were showing that that clear yeah, bottle with a lime the on the yeah. beach, and it's like, well, we have the beach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't sell us the beach. Our beach is better than that beach anyway. So it's interesting, and that's been um, that's been a big issue with Corona and and their distributor. I'm, I'm, I've heard rumors. I've never been in the room, obviously, because they don't invite me to their board meetings. Uh, but I've heard that's the that's you the biggest issue. Should try bringing green bottles. Yeah. So, mm, you guys need a delivery? Uh, but 49, 49 of the fifty states. Yeah, and and in some of those states, it's not even close. It's four or five times the volume yeah. we do. So we're the great holdout and, and they've thrown unbelievable amounts of money against us. And we have a, I mean, we have a controlled budget. It's our budget is our budget based on what we sell here locally. Um, and it doesn't get bigger even if we're, if we're up. It'll, it'll go up a little or down a little depending on the, the global environment and how we're doing as a company. But I mean, they've been throwing two, three times the amount and going after, I mean, it's almost any, any event we have. And we were really selective about the events we do and what we sponsor. Almost everything we do, whether it be, I won't say any names, whether it be one supplier or another supplier, there's three other suppliers, they're always coming in to offer more, more money. Yeah. But you know what, it's about having a partner. And this is a lot about Hawaii too. It speaks volumes about Hawaii people. Um, you find a partner, you work together to make something special. Once it gets special, do you really want to double your money up on the people that you've been working with for five to 10 years and you've built all this great esteem and you've built this thing together. You don't just quit on people, right? And I think that's the one of the beautiful things about Hawaii. And the same way with the brand. The brand is growing the same way because we did the um, Sony Open for years and we had a great partner there. We did Hot Hawaiian Nights that you uh, mentioned yeah. earlier. Oh, we're doing UH football, but we did the Hawaii Bowl previous to that. We did Diamond Head Classic. We did the um, Macaw Suns concert series for a few years. So anything we've done, we've always marked it uh, for at least five years when we're doing it and give it a real chance and make sure. And, and it's really important that everybody in that equation um, has to make, has to do good. We can't have us selling more beer, the band making money, and the, pr the production company lose money. Everybody has to everybody get has to win. Everybody has, yeah, yeah, everybody has to be a win-win. And I think, I mean, it's a testament to that, that to make sure everybody gets something out of it is created that loyalty to the brand. And I was like, like we mentioned uh, Heineken Zero, you know. So under normal circumstances in a bar, people walk in and say, what's your non-alcoholic, right? And then they'll just drink whatever it is. But when it comes to non-alcoholic, Heineken drinkers come in and ask, do you have Heineken Zero? You know, it's not, it's not just, a, oh, I don't drink anymore, but I like beer. I, what, what do you have that's non-alcoholic? You know, these guys drank Heineken, and that's their brand. And they come in, and they want that specific. So it's still, even with not drinking alcohol, there's a brand loyalty there. And they're, you know, they're yeah. all about I mean, it. One of probably the few brands in Hawaii, if you come in there, ordered a bunch of poo-poos, and you're sitting there, you order your Heineken, and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't carry that. 
the whole table probably going to get up and yeah, move to another location. Leave. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare. I mean, I'm sure there's other examples of other beers in other areas, but I mean, I, really, I've seen it happen, and it's, it's amazing, and, and it's good to know that. And, and just so just so I'm really clear, it's about seven to fifteen people have worked on the brand over the years, and they all it, they all get. Uh, the same amount of credit just because I'm here talking doesn't mean I did anymore. It means all it means is I was a witness to it, right? And I can remember and I, it takes I can a share. Team, man. Right? Yeah. It takes a village. And it really has been. Just I, so, yeah. just I'm so. super curious though because when I was, you know, in high school in that 96, 97 period, Heineken, I always remember the commercials nationally, right? They were promoting Heineken as the New Year's Eve beer, right? Like it was, it was a guy in a suit and he was he was the he was bringing the good stuff to the party, right? And it was that oh wow! And I think Stella borrowed that marketing a couple of years later, right? Where sure. Stella all of a sudden Stella was like, oh now if you want to be the man and and the life of the party, you bring you bring that. But you guys, when you guys started to figure out the local marketing, you almost went counter against that. Where you went like instead of being like the guy in the the, the tuxedo, you guys are like, no, this is like. The garage beer. This is the one. Like, you want to be the man to the garage, to the carport. You know, you got. You guys took a very different approach. Yeah, like, you know, why? I, I think that was a, that's a, that's a great call out. And yeah, I think we looked at it the same way, but we also know that uh, we looked at it and we said, hey, in Hawaii, we never know if we're going to see these this group of friends or drink with these guys again. So every occasion, every garage door, every every block party, or every. Connie Capilla or every what catch a game, the UH game at somebody's house. That was a special occasion. So we oh, said, UH games you know at home was a yeah. Heineken thing. No, that's yeah, was. that's the absolutely on the mark. I mean, but, that was you watching sports yeah. at home with your friends. You didn't go get your light beers. It was Heineken. That was a thing. But you only event. you only have. I mean, you have two days a week where you have free time because we work so much and because the cost of living is so high. You know, everything's expensive. So those two days, you might as well make it a special occasion. And why not? You're good enough to have that, and and we also drove the pricing down on 12 packs and 18 packs, and with this a bridge by tactics at the time, which really helped our our growth, is that we we're able to give you something close to that price. We we really wanted to drive that index down to make sure that if you had a choice of Bud Light 18 pack or Heineken 12 pack, that price is right in the range, right? And yeah, six less bottles, but in theory, just as valuable, yeah, right? The value yeah. driven, right? I so, mean, it was a different. Like someone showed up. We were talking like someone showed up with the 12 pack of Heineken versus the 18 pack of Bud Light. Like the person who showed up with the 12 pack of Heineken was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> talking about that, let's get into it. We're on the YouTube channel. Heineken parties, Heineken sponsored events have this reputation for going off. Give us something, Dave. <laughs> we gotta hear it, I know you got one. Give it to us, man. I can, I can neither confirm nor deny that we do things a little different. And um, I, think, I think it starts with the planning and knowing that you're, I think we, we do a little more because we realize that every event, we're living up to our, our last event, right? right. So we did, a, we did an event with the green once and it was just off the Richter scales. We did a little, um, we did a, a small little, uh, in Kakaoka area, there's a warehouse. And we just said, you know, we're just gonna do a thousand people. And put the green up and we only did this, we only did social media and you needed to get three um, tags on people you, um, you tagged on your social media to be able to get in. And you had to show it at the door. We figured, ah, we're not gonna have a thousand, we're probably gonna have maybe 500. <laughs> like a line of a thousand people out the door, down the road, after we had the 4,000 in there. And it was just off the hook. And so we're always looking for creative and new ways to, um, introduce the party atmosphere, not introduce Heineken, because all of them are Heineken fans, but we always try to do something different and a little tweak it up a little bit or do something 
special. And sometimes we'll do something with giving away UH uh, football tickets or a suite. So we're, we're actually doing one next year where we're trying to, trying to figure out how to give a suite to local people who have never experienced a suite. But we want everybody to feel what it's like to be the special that you know, that special occasion or, or take it up a notch, right? First, well, not all of us can fly first class. You know what, this is what it's like this one time. Let's, yeah. let's, let's share what we can do and, and share with locals the specialness of certain things and certain types. And we try to do that same thing with our promotions. We currently have one at Mary Monarch um, with um, our SIG partners, our, uh, our, pickers, our partners with SIG uh, clothing line, where he does this phenomenal party, much like, like yeah. the green parties. But we also want to have this house party type thing that we're trying to push, where, not push, we're trying to build where we can thank our consumers as well as retailers possibly in a house party atmosphere where you walk in the house, the green is sitting there in green jackets, shaking people's hands, maybe 50 small, intimate. Super casual, yeah. but I mean, just that. But yeah. just knock the socks off people when they walk in and say, oh my God, these guys are actually talking to us, they're cheersing with us. Yeah. And then they do a small little, small little gig outside, not, not a real big one, but something to just kind of get to know them personally yeah. instead of the whole, you know, I'm going to their concert. Yeah, but you're 500 feet away. Yeah. But this one, you're actually shaking their hands. They're handing you a beer when you walk through their door. I mean, does it get That's better right. than that? Yeah. Getting the green from the green, the green bottle from the green. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and I think like, I, like for, for people not from Hawaii where it's like, you say house party, it's not like this rager house party. It's more like coming over and cruising at someone's house, right? Where you're, you're invited into the house and you're welcomed in and it's, it's very casual, and it's not like this gigantic rager, right? Where you, like that's not the house party well, we're you, talking you're about. You go into the house to say hi to auntie yeah, and uncle, hands, but then you go back yeah. out to the carport after yeah, and sit down out, and drink right? with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's different yeah. when you invite somebody to your house here. You're not looking for a rager where you can do anything you want. Hey, you want to show? Hey, you know what, my friends, I want you to sh see my home and share and meet my family. I'm yeah. bringing out. I went to. I bought some fresh. Uh, ahi, I cut yeah. them up. My grandma's making a special recipe. You really wanna, these are your friends. These are people you spend so much time with and you, you love, right? And you wanna show them a good time. And it's just, it just tweaks up the intimacy. And that's what we try to kind of stay on that, how to turn ohana and friends and keep that all really tight. And we look at that when we're thinking about how we wanna brand our beer because that's really the key, right? If you keep your family and your close friends all engaged and drinking, having a great time safely, safe, safely yeah, as well. Right. Uh, getting them home safely, and we do that a lot too. We do um, free rides home if we know it's a drinking event. We'll, we'll Uber or taxi or whatever, or bus right. people home. So that's a I huge remember, part. Uh, Paradise's uh, Christmas parties at Henry Louis did a line of cabs, took everybody home. They had yeah. 100 cabs. Yeah, yeah, everybody right, got into right at 10 o'clock. Yeah. You know, we, we advocate getting home safe. We love yeah. drinking, but we don't like drinking and driving. Yeah. So. And, and it was, it's non negotiable. Yeah. If you're going to have one drop of alcohol, you're taking a taxi home in those days. And that's what we do too. Hey, yeah. if you're planning on drinking, if you're not drinking at all, you're drinking Heineken Zero, hey, have a great time, drive wherever you want. And if, you, if you're DDing for a bunch of people, great, more power to you. But once you, once you have a sip of alcohol, it's not worth the risk. We want your business for the rest of your life, not for 30 minutes. Yeah. So a uh, really important detail that a lot, of, a lot of brands, when you're doing promotions, you kind of forget about that because you, oh, this is, this is wild. This is such a great party. You know what? It's only a great party the next morning when everybody wakes up, they're all home safely with their yeah. families, and then they're calling each other, sharing the stories on what they yeah. did. That's the balance between throwing a rager and throwing, making sure people have a, a fun, safe time, you know, like, yeah. You, you would think about throwing a huge party and just let's just fucking go off, right? Yeah, and drink yeah. till sunlight. But the next day is important. Everybody needs to wake up. So yeah, there's a responsibility so factor. You gotta have there, fun, right? but you gotta be responsible. So yeah. that's more and more. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's been so. Uh, so the marketing side has been such. It's been fun to watch it evolve. And I'm not a marketing background person, but 
I've learned so much on, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't send a marketer who has an MBA from uh, NYU coming down here and that person couldn't tell me how to do business here. More so yeah. they could learn if they, if, and not, if, if they would, because they're too, I mean, somebody with that credential wouldn't listen to somebody like me, but they just don't get it. You He'd can't, be the guy putting a tuxedo on holding yeah. a Heineken light thinking yeah. that was going to work. I, I yeah. think that's, yeah, I think that's a lot with a lot of, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen in, in the short time I've been involved in the beer industry here. It's like, you see a lot of brands come in and, and they don't understand the culture and they don't understand what makes people tick. Um, and they think what they do in say California or Oregon will work here. And it, it, it might, but it doesn't have the same, it doesn't resonate the same way. And it, I think, you know, it's like, you gotta come, you gotta, you gotta sit and you gotta it's a, it's and a, learn. It's yeah. a different geographical yeah. area. It's a different culture. You yeah. gotta come in open-minded and, and, and you can't just, they come in with, we know what works because yeah. we're professional. Yeah, because yeah, it works everywhere else. It works everywhere else, but we're not and, and Everybody, and honestly, <laughs> I go to meetings and everybody says, well, we're a little different than everybody else. And you know what? For the most part, some of them are a little different, but we are so completely different yeah. on so many different fronts yeah. that we are truly different. And if you're not going to listen to those, you shouldn't be working with us on how to build the growth of our brand because you're just missing the point, yeah. right? And that, that, not just for beer in Hawaii, I'm sure it's the chip side is the same thing. Soda guys probably have the yeah. same thing. And everybody in that, in that whole supermarket uh, supplier type industry probably understands that. And it is different here. And there's such a cross of cultures. And yeah, I, I didn't, until recently, I didn't really realize how bad the uh, whole um, race ethnicity thing is across the U.S. because I grew up, I just yeah, didn't right. even know it. Everybody's we grew mixed up, up here. grew up in Hawaii. You don't know the difference. You know, you, all your friends are all different races. So I'm like, yeah. I just like I don't, I don't understand what the problem is. You know, I see all these protests and just I just shocked because we never had that problem. We had every color in our, our, on our teams. Don't have the same thing. Um, you and I born and, born and raised, but very Caucasian looking, white, and you know. But it's things you had to learn because we're not used to it. We're a different culture. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. And it shocks me when yeah. I see how people yeah. do it. But and it's, it's not something you can just like come and stay in a hotel for a week oh. and understand, oh. right? Because if, yeah. if you're staying in a hotel, then you're not getting, and I think that's the thing like people might be, like they, they still don't like understand like where this comes so, from. Like it's so being at someone's speak house. Speak to that, talking about being in a hotel. Talk about like, what is your, you know, your, your demographic in Waikiki, how much less Heineken do you sell in Waikiki as opposed to the everywhere rest of the, else. <laughs> everywhere else in the state? That's a great question. I mean, so, that's so people would assume that we have the same um, growth and or sales in, in all the different areas respectively, but oh, it's it's different and how we spend money is different it's too. Gotta so, be. Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> be. So I mean, we so in Waikiki, we would probably have the same um, market share as we have across the uh, 49 states, the other 49 states because we're basically importing those people and they're drinking the same thing, but probably a little less because most of them are probably drinking blue Hawaii's, margaritas, all the blended different concoctions that they have in Waikiki. So because of that, that's what they're drinking. So for me, and then I've had a lot of arguments with different people, whether in the brewery or distributor or other or outsiders looking in that we need to spend more to get more business. And my point is no, we're wasting our money there because even if we do turn them, they're going back home and they're drinking back our home. brand there. Yeah. So why am I spending budget here to help somebody else in their market? And, and the same with the military too, if you look at it too, kind of similar, right? It's not your target it's audience. A, yeah, it's not my I target mean, audience, but I, I, we do do some because we have them for two, three years sometimes. Yeah. And so we don't not spend there, but if there's a better way to spend it locally, 
we spend it locally because our, I mean, you look at it, we're in, in the areas where it counts. We're really, so Wai and I were strong, mighty strong. Not like we were strong, like Pahu, Kapole. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out, but all, where, where the local um, population is, that's where we're strong. That's when our stores, those stores are buying four or five pallets on a weekend for Memorial Day, which is coming up uh, in a, I don't know, two or three months or something. But um, it's just one of those things where you just, you saw, and if you look at it, by zip, so we I did a, a zip analysis one time, and it was just you could really see the local population where our market share just fires up, and you see where it's kind of mixed between like Hawaii Kai, where you have some Caucasians and some mixed things. It's not as strong, but then the, the browner you get, the more green you get. You probably saw more kaava <laughs> than you do a Hawaii Kai, right? Yeah. I mean, with a, a quarter of the population, yeah. you probably crush it, yeah. 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 And I get it. I mean, it's it's crazy, but it's it's, it's amazing, <laughs> and, and you just kind of I mean. Nobody knows, right? You just live and you learn and you notice things and you start, you say, oh, that's a good, oh, I never thought about that. And you just tweak it a little more, right? So uh, it's been a fun ride though. I mean, a lot of people have been working on it and it's, it's been so fun. We've done, been able to go to great things and, and see some phenomenal stuff and meet great people. I mean, and, and had some great ideas on commercials. Every, every time I go into a bar, I hear another idea of a, of a great commercial and you know, all of them are awesome. And I wanted to copyright some of them and, and make it my own, but eh, can't do that, but. Well, the ride is always part of the fun, right? Definitely, right on. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. See you guys next time.